Welcome to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, a place for healing and hope for couples impacted by betrayal resulting from infidelity and or sex addiction. Your hosts are Marnie Breaker and Dwayne Osterland, licensed marriage and family therapists, certified sex addiction therapists, and founders of respective treatment centers in Long Beach, Los Angeles, and San Diego, California. Marnie and Dwayne co-created Helping Couples Heal, a comprehensive program for couples recovering from betrayal trauma, including an in-person two-day workshop, an online aftercare program, and this podcast series is the first component of the program. Thank you for listening. Marnie and Dwayne are committed to helping you recover from the devastating impact of betrayal trauma and are honored to support you wherever you may be in your healing. If you've lost hope, you've come to the right place. Now, take a slow, deep breath. And let's begin with the Helping Couples Heal podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Helping Couples Heal podcast. This is Marnie, and I'm here with Dwayne. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. And today we are both really honored to introduce a special guest who has been with us since the um, the launch, essentially, of Helping Couples Heal. And this person is Zoe Kors, who I have known for many, many years She has become our resident in-house sex and intimacy coach and has recently begun to work with more and more clients around the issue of healthy sexuality and reintegration of sexuality after betrayal. So we are very, very happy to have you here, Zoe, and we would love for you to take a few moments to introduce yourself to our listeners and share your experience and how you got here. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here with you. So I am a sex and intimacy coach. I work in many different spaces. Betrayal, trauma, and sexual reintegration after betrayal is one of the things that I do. I am also the resident sex and intimacy coach for a sexual wellness app called Coral. I work with HCH clients but I also have a private practice and treat people dealing with all kinds of issues around their sexuality, not just reintegration after betrayal. I wrote a book recently um, called Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve, which is, um, sex is certainly part of that, of, of intimacy, but the book is really about connection on a number of different levels and in a number of different ways. So that's available wherever you buy books. Um, I have a podcast called the Radical Intimacy Podcast. And yeah, I think that's me. Actually, I think I read something yesterday maybe about an organization that gave you, um, I don't know how to say this, but you're now a sexologist. There was a, and you tell me, (laughs) you tell me what it is. Yes. Thank you. The director of the American Board of Sexology reached out to me and invited me. They apparently pre-approved me. I think he's read my book and they pre-approved me. I had never even thought to apply. I'm less focused on, you know, uh, titles than I am the actual work that I'm doing. But he reached out and offered certification with the American Board of Sexology. So I'm now a certified sexologist, along with being a certified coactive coach. And as of December 1st, I'll be a certified integrative somatic trauma therapist as well. So yeah, 
and a certified death doula for what that's worth. Congratulations. <laughs> wow, Zoe, I am so happy you're part of the HGH team. You bring a wealth of knowledge and wisdom, uh, you know, practical wisdom too, because I know I've been also able to work with you for quite a while and see that. So I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today because I think this is one of the topics that is always coming up when we're helping couples heal from betrayal trauma is the sexual reintegration piece. It's uh, fraught with a lot of issues and dynamics that um, are hard to understand and hard to get through. So I'm excited that you're on here to talk with us and to lend your expertise. There are so many complexities when it comes to reintegration of sexuality after betrayal. And what we often see is that in the early stages, and even in some later stages of the recovery process, couples are really working on healing from their own trauma and then also trying to help their relationship heal, right? Rebuild trust and um, and create safety and all of that stuff. Often, the sexual piece is not even on the table. Sometimes it is, but often it is not. In fact, it's encouraged, um, I personally encourage this, to not integrate sexuality before safety has been established, before trust has been established, right? When people are still in a high state of trauma. And so often what we see is that as time goes by, couples can heal and individuals heal, and then they're ready for the next step. And yet they don't have any guidance in the area of how to reintegrate and about healthy sexuality because addiction and betrayal, you know, sexual betrayal and deception is all about toxic or unhealthy sexuality. Yeah, 100%. The thing about sex in general in our culture is that very few of us have really grown up with and sort of organically come to a healthy relationship with our own sexuality and our own bodies. And we're also, on top of that, we're sort of systematically taught that sex is something we don't talk about, that sex is something that just should be left to its own sort of unfolding and just it'll take care of itself. Unlike other areas of partnership that we are really encouraged, like financial security and, you know, our physical wellness and a number of different things that we are really taught to take care of and to invest resources in. So sex is just sort of this thing. And there aren't a lot of resources available for understanding what sex is, what it can be, whether it's for pleasure, whether it's for connection, whether it can be for a combination of both, and how to achieve that outside of the sort of cultural narrative about men and women and bodies and uh, urges and desire and, you know, it's so loaded. So in sexual reintegration, when a couple comes to me, one of the first things that we do is to really take a look at where they started. What are their values? Are those values truly their own values? Or are they sort of internalized messages that now they hold as truths that aren't necessarily truths. So there's a little bit of unpacking to do in the beginning. And that's work that when you're in the triage of trauma relief after betrayal, a couple does not have the capacity to even think about those things. It's not what is first and foremost needing care. 
So I always like to say that the reason why sexual reintegration comes at the end of the journey is because you really do need to heal the relationship first, restore trust, and both partners have a capacity to allow their partner to look at their individual relationship with this part of themselves. And that's a big ask for some people. And that can be really, really scary too, especially for a portrayed partner. If we're going to look at this openly and honestly, what are we going to find there? And sometimes I think it's tempting to kind of keep everything in the shadow so we don't really have to look at it. Because what happens when we do? We might find something we don't like or we feel ashamed of or something you know we think is not right. That's one piece. And I want to go back to the other piece is that part of breaking down all the sexual mythology that's in our culture. You know, like there's a lot of misinformation. I know for me in doing this work and working, you know, as a certified sex addiction therapist, I had to get a lot of education around sexuality. There was a lot of things I thought I knew, but actually weren't true, even from a medical perspective. So there's all of that work that has to happen. Yeah, there's a lot of information. I want to go back a moment to something you said, Dwayne, which was about sometimes it's much easier to keep all of this in the shadows, right? And we often use that metaphor of the secret sexual basement. So I'm going to use that here even. It's easier to keep the conversation about sexuality, right, in the basement. And what we have found in our couples community is since we brought Zoe in to talk to our community members once a month, there's been a pretty dramatic shift since how they reacted to you, Zoe, at the beginning. Like I was on that call. I remember the first time that you came in and it looked like many people were almost deer in headlights and people expressed a lot of discomfort around the topic. A lot of people didn't even come to that particular webinar. But since then, it seems like people are actually so appreciative of the conversation and wanting to participate more and are getting comfortable. So the point being that even though there might be this desire on some level to keep it hidden in the basement, I also think people have a deep desire to talk about it. And often there's just not a safe forum to do so. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. And it's it's really, I mean, you guys, my favorite part of what I do is normalizing the conversation around sex and sexuality and making it not so, um, there's a Yiddish term, gefelach, um, <laughs> you know, so loaded and terrifying, you know, to be able to just talk about it in real terms really relieves a lot of pressure. And I love doing that. I, I want to, before, because we're talking about talking about sex, but... In the beginning, when there's so much betrayal and hurt that um, it's such an overwhelming topic, what about that first stage that couples are going through when, you know, maybe it's pretty acute, there's just been this discovery, and bringing this conversation, like you said earlier, isn't going to happen, but what do couples do in that time? You know, in my practice with all kinds of sexual issues that people come to me with, I will often talk about taking a reprieve from sex and healing 
you know, relational issues or things that are sort of at the root of what's happening, either as a, um, either causing the sexual issues or existing as a result of years of dealing with something. And so that is for individuals or couples to really look at that relationship with themselves or the relationship with each other or both and to create a container. One of the things that I think most people who are coming to me need to hear and are certainly relieved to hear is that this is not permanent. Everything is fluid. Everything changes. There's room to grow. A lot of people believe that like whatever's happening in the bedroom in the moment is a permanent situation. It's like raising kids. Like we all have raised kids here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in the process of raising kids. Yeah, in the process. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, and, you know, so it's like things come and go in phases and nothing is permanent. That was my sort of parenting young children mantra. Like this too shall pass. Nothing is permanent. <laughs> like, And it's true. There's so much malleability and possibility in what kind of sex you're creating for yourselves. And I say that, I say, instead of saying like having sex, you're actually creating sex. You have incredible power and agency to create the kind of sexual experience that you want. And that doesn't have to happen right now or tomorrow, but the work that you're doing that is parallel to or tangential to sexuality work is actually tied right in there. You're contributing to your ability in the future, whether that's a week or a month or a year or three years, you are contributing to your ability to create the kind of sexual experience and relationship that you want. I love that. I, I really love how you say you're not, um, was it you're not making sex? Having sex. Right. You're not having sex, but you're creating it. I just love that. Um, something I wanted to mention is often, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that there's complexities around this piece, around the sexual reintegration after betrayal. One of those, I think, is the amount of loss and grief that betrayed partners experience after betrayal. And one of those areas, and again, it's not talked about a lot, are the sexual losses. There's a lot of sexual loss that betrayed partners experience, and a lot of trauma specific to the sexual betrayal. And so what I see a lot is that couples do all of that work to repair and build safety and establish trust. And then they get to this sexual reintegration piece and it opens up a lot of pain again because those losses are triggered. So I'm curious to know how you deal with that when you get, you know, a couple that come in and they say, I want to work on sexual reintegration. I want your help. And let's, let's have like a practical plan for that. And then all this other stuff comes up. Inevitably. Look, this is hard too for couples to hear. And I tread very lightly and work really gently to shift the mindset around sex. Look, grieving is a real thing. And the loss involved in what could have been or should have been, I'm using air quotes on should have been, is something that doesn't go away, you know? I mean, when we suffer a loss of any kind, 
it doesn't go away. It lives in us and we carry that with us, but we learn how to find a place for it and we know how to deal with it when it rises up in us. And we know we have tools, we are resourced and we have skills in order to be able to step back and take a look at it and be with it and let it fall back into a place that we can go on with our lives and take action in whatever we're needing to take action in. So the co-regulation work and the self-regulation work that a couple and individuals have done up until this point that they land in my lap is really very similar to what has to happen when they are moving forward. So look, There are so many threads of this that it's hard to just pull out one and give you the whole picture. But one of the things that I talk about really early on in this sexual reintegration path is that I want couples to throw out everything they think they know about sex. Like, just let's just go back to like, we are two human beings. Let's talk about sensation. Let's talk about mindfulness or presence, right? So we do exercises to learn how to be present with our bodies and present to sensation. And when we talk about sex, we're talking about, like, I want to adopt the perspective of a pleasure lab. Like, we're stepping into a pleasure laboratory or a sensation laboratory where sex is not this sort of story arc of like, first we take our clothes off, then we kiss, then I do this to you, then you do this to me, then we climb on top of each other and put one body part in another and move around until we have an orgasm. That's not at all the model of healthy sex that I am taking people on a journey on. And in our culture, what you just described, that whole prescription, you know, from taking clothes off until the point of orgasm, that's really what we see in pop culture, in the movies and TV. That's what we learn is normal sex. All the time. uh, There's this expectation that women have vaginal orgasms and that we'll have an orgasm from penetration alone. Do you know what the percentage of women who experience that is? Close to 80% of women need direct clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm. So this idea, I mean, you know, Dwayne, you talk about like all of the sort of mythology of sexuality in this culture and unwinding that, unpacking it, unwinding it, and learning the facts and the science of how our bodies work. Ridiculously important when you're coming to a partnership and have expectations. You know what I'm thinking as we're having this conversation, you know, this frank conversation about sexuality how triggering this conversation could be to a relationship that is struggling with betrayal and trauma around sexuality. So it's so hard to even get to this spot, right? So a question that was coming up for me, and I have some of my own ideas around this, but when does a coupleship know they're ready to embark on this journey? Like, how do they know that? Like, when do they get here? Because it's, it can be triggering. It's scary. All these feelings are coming up. And man, you got to walk through that. Yeah. It's a question that I'm asked all the time. And (laughs) there are a few things that I want to know are in place before I take a couple on to do this work. And I mean, you know, the sort of quippy answer is what my mother told me. Like, you're never ready to have a kid. You just do it and you figure it out. You jump into the deep end and learn how to swim. Right. 
However, when you've dealt with trauma of any kind, betrayal being one kind of trauma that people come to me with, you don't want to necessarily push somebody, you know, with their arms tied around their back into the deep end so that they can't really swim. So what I want to know is that their arms are not tied, which means they have a good deal of self-awareness and can own their piece, whether it was their fault that it's their piece or not, whether they ended up with this sort of piece of necessary healing that was, you know, sort of inflicted on them by a partner or, or whatever. It's now an opportunity to create a healthier sexual relationship than they ever had before with themselves, with their partner. So there's that piece, like, do I have the mindset of possibility and compassion? Am I able to manage my triggers? Do I have a practiced um, sort of personal methodology for dealing with dysregulation? And can each partner also co-regulate and handle their partner's dysregulation and their partner's process of coming into a regulated state without getting triggered themselves into a shame spiral, into trauma response. Two things that I want to say. Uh, One is that at Helping Couples Heal, we also highly recommend that if a couple is going to start this work with you, that they do have individual therapists on board. Because as we've been saying over and over today, they're going to be triggered. Things are going to come up. And so they need that support. And the other thing, which is really important, is about something you said about two minutes ago. And I really think we need to revisit it. And that's when you talked about each partner being able to own their individual piece. I think that when we're talking about sexual betrayal, that concept is something that has come up for a lot of our clients when they've been traumatized by treatment professionals, right? Being told that somehow this is their fault, they need to own their piece. And so I want to go back and have you clarify what you mean by that, because I worry that many of our listeners might hear that and think that you're saying that they have some role in the sexual betrayal, right? Or being at that place in their in their lives that they have to now learn about sexual reintegration. Thank you, Marnie. It's so important. And I do want to make clear that I do not subscribe to the codependency model of betrayal. This is not at all what I'm talking about. So thank you for the opportunity to clarify. When I say own your own peace, the reality is that if you are a betrayed partner, you have been hurt and you have now a piece of you that has been traumatized, that has been harmed, and that wound needs to heal. And while you can heal the relationship and you do all of this work to heal the relationship, there's nobody, your partner, your parent, your any, anybody, nobody can really deal with that wound that's in you. You have to be able to recognize that part of you that has been wounded and learn about it enough to be able to ask for what you want, ask for what you need, um, advocate for yourself When you're taking the risks of, say, opening up to touch again with a partner who, you know, I have clients who come to me and couples who say, 
we've done so much work, we're in a really, really good place, but our healing relationally isn't complete until we have sex again, until we reintegrate that part. Like we're not willing to live the rest of our lives never having sex because we don't want to upset things, you know? We don't want to tip the apple cart, but we're afraid of going back to where we were. So there's that piece where it's like, you can do all that relational healing, but when those triggers come up, they're personal triggers. And so so part of this, part of my work is helping a betrayed partner understand where their personal power is in managing and coming to and facilitating their own healing from the harm that they've been caused. So that's what I mean with own your piece of it, is to reclaim your personal power, basically. That is so important, and I'm really glad that you shared that. I think that that is really important for people to hear. So what we see a lot when we're working with betrayal is betrayed partners come in with a lot of anger about the fact that they didn't cause this. This was put on them, and it wasn't their choice, and they don't want to deal with the repercussions of it. They don't want to have to go to therapy. They don't want to have to get into recovery, right? It's not their problem. And while I absolutely understand the logic behind that, right, I get it. It it can't stay that way if that partner wants to heal her relationship or his relationship. And I think that's where you're talking about all of this. Like you have to get to the point where you're able to say, this thing happened to me and I, I, you can even say, I hate that this is the situation I'm in, but if I want to heal, then I am going to have to participate in this process. Yes, it's true. And listen, as a cancer survivor, as someone who has been divorced and had, you know, a, a number of anybody who knows me, Marnie is such a, a, a close personal friend as well, that you know I've had 21 surgeries in my life, like... I've had my share of adversity. And while I would never choose any of those situations, there is an aspect of my own personal growth and strength. And, and like, there's this great Pema Chodron quote. Pema Chodron is a Buddhist teacher, a regular white woman named Deirdre who uh, ended up getting divorced and heartbroken and suffered betrayal trauma, as a matter of fact. The quote that I love um, is, only to the extent that we are willing to expose ourselves over and over again to annihilation, can that which is indestructible in us be found. Oh, I love that quote. So powerful. Yeah, that is a really powerful quote. And I'd also say that this is done in steps. It's done, you know, we say annihilation and that can feel so overwhelming, but you do this in pieces and with time and that this integration is a process and a journey that we we take piece by piece. You know, we take enough on that we face that annihilation, but we can survive it and then do it again. And that over time changes this whole dynamic. And there's something so amazing on the other side of that. And as we sort of shift the conversation into maybe some practical steps that Zoe, just some examples of what you would do with clients, right? When you're working with reintegration, 
I think it's really important for you to share the big shift that you and I have talked about. And I believe that you talk about in your self-guided course that we'll talk about at the end of this podcast. But what is that shift that needs to happen for couples who have been in the process of recovering from betrayal trauma and are now moving into trying to heal their sexual relationship? So here's what it is. When a couple starts this process when there's a, you know, a discovery day, a D-Day. When D-Day hits and then you're in trauma triage and everything is sort of getting processed and things are coming to light and then there's a disclosure and a lot of that process is sort of helping a couple understand the harm that has happened what actually unfolded what is real because you know their world is shattered often the betrayed partner is trying to make sense of it right so part of that is helping them understand how the betraying partner has caused them harm and you know some of that is abuse we use the word abuse in several different contexts so the betraying partner is now harmful dangerous and abuser or has abused, indulged in abusive behavior, um, all things that mean that they're not safe to have sex with, to continue to have sex with. And that's part of the recovery. And it's also part of interrupting that pattern, right? And that's why earlier in, in this episode, we talk a little bit about like creating a container and stepping away from sexual behavior for a while. And that's not permanent. And you know, it's like to kind of clear the deck so that we can see clearly and we're not confusing all this energy. So what ends up happening, though, is that as the relationship is healed, in order for sex and sexual reintegration to happen, you have to be able to see your partner as safe and not dangerous and not an abuser, not a perpetrator of harm. So you have to be able, and this is, you know, basic trauma healing, is you have to be able to take the past and put it in the past with general sexual trauma that is not betrayal trauma. It's easier to do that because you're the perpetrator of harm. The person who abused you or violated you is not in the picture. But with this particular scenario, you're going to reintegrate this kind of physical intimacy with the person who caused you harm. And you have to be able to manage the mindset that you're going to put the past in the past and create possibility in the future. Yeah, absolutely. One thing just to be really, really clear for our audience too, when we say put in the past, that does not mean dismiss it. It's there, but it's it. you know it's there. It's acknowledging that it's there, but it's not a dominant force in the present moment. Just when we say put in the past, I want to make sure that people understand we're not saying you just pretend it didn't happen. Yes. That's not what we're saying. No, 100%. And I know that's not what you're saying, yes. but just to be really, really clear. It's really about going from a place of not having safety, right? Not feeling safe with the person that has harmed you and then moving at some point to a place where now you feel safe with that same person and it's shifting the perspective. So you're going from being unsafe to safe in order to work on the sexual reintegration. That's right. 
And how can the person who's done the betrayal help that process along? It's tricky. And there are times when that process, that dynamic of making the shift is facilitated by some private sessions with me, individual sessions. So I run a sexual reintegration group coaching program, which has tons of benefits of working with a group. But this can be very highly individual to make this shift for both partners to be able to make this shift without triggering each other. And so basically the formerly betraying partner has to work on their own belief in themselves and their own self-esteem and recognize the progress they've made and have a good handle on shame, the shame component, and be able to manage that shame with themselves, with their individual therapist, with their support team, um, whoever they sort of lean into, a sponsor, a men's group, and to really process that separately and therefore be present and regulated when their partner is trying to make this shift. That shows the partner that they indeed are safe, right? Yep, absolutely. I, I think right there you kind of spoke the formula that how this work progresses, right, and moves forward to the next level. And it's a tall order. You need a lot of support from a lot of different directions because when we get into ourselves and especially if we're dealing with like toxic shame and a shame-bound self, that's so can be so overwhelming so quickly that if you go there, yeah, once again, the betraying partner becomes unsafe for their partner and it all spirals out again. And a lot of times I see couples stuck in that piece yes. and they can't move beyond that piece and they get stuck in that cycle and they don't even know they're stuck in that cycle. That's right. Listen, I'm also going to say that this is messy work like everything else. And there's like, you know, failure to launch. <laughs> like there, there are attempts made to like start to do the stuff. We take baby steps. We move slowly. We learn how to communicate and articulate what's happening in real time with each other, which is intimacy building. The ruptures, you know, when things go south, those moments when you're in the care of a, a sex expert and coach who can understand and explain what just happened becomes such an opportunity for breakthrough and for deepening intimacy. The messiness, the vulnerability that ensues after that is all so therapeutic, uncomfortable as hell, and very productive. Absolutely. One of the things I think we kind of talked about in the beginning is having that education of healthy sexuality, what it looks like, what it is. I mean, that's a starting point because if you don't have good information about uh, human sexuality, you can be going down a lot of myths that aren't real, that don't, um, don't correlate to our human condition, and that can be really difficult. So that's really important as well. Yeah. So Zoe, we've alluded several times in this conversation to practical techniques, interventions, and tools that couples can use in starting this process of sexual reintegration. 
And while, of course, this podcast episode is not an educational webinar where we're going to go into detail about that, can you share with us a few of those things so that our listeners can understand on a practical level um, some of what is taught and some of the things that they can learn through the process of starting this journey of sexual reintegration? Yeah, Um my only hesitation, and therefore a caveat, is that if any of what I'm about to say doesn't feel good to you, don't do it. Different things feel good to different people, and they're, uh, you know, you may or may not be ready for this, or conversely, it may sound extremely simple and not powerful. Um, but just as an example, one of the early things that I like to do is I, I first talk about three different kinds of intimacy emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, and what I call energetic intimacy, which energetic intimacy is a, a sense of connection that goes beyond words and touch. So eye gazing, you know, making extended uninterrupted eye contact or a shared experience like taking a walk in the woods and not talking, but actually just sort of sharing that experience or cooking dinner together where you're not really distracted by conversation. You're both focused on a task that you're doing. That's a, a point of connection. So with that as a framework, I talk about a daily check-in of sorts that's more of a um, an intimacy check-in and one of the simple ways to do that, there are many different ways of sort of accomplishing that, but one of the simple ways of doing that is to, in the morning before you depart on your days, standing, fully clothed, you can do this after you get ready for your day, set an alarm so that you, you can get lost in the experience and stand and have uninterrupted eye contact for 30 seconds. At first, that's going to feel like three hours. It's going to be awkward. You might be giggly. Um, you might, you know, have trouble not looking away. Um, you get used to that. And that's a real skill. It's almost like a partner meditation where you just are present to each other and nothing needs to be exchanged in that moment. After that 30 seconds, you do another 30. I call this the 30 and 30, or thir like a 30 slash 30. You set an alarm again, and you hug for 30 seconds, which is about the length of time it takes. You actually don't have to set an alarm for this if you just follow the three-breath rule. 30 seconds is about the amount of time it takes to take three deep, slow breaths together. So you hug you're not looking at each other. You're just really embraced and you take three deep breaths together. When that's done, you can say, and you can do the emotional piece before or after, but it's interesting to do it after because it tends to be positive. Sometimes it tends to be grief related, but often, most often, I hear from couples that it's lovely and it's connective and it's a positive way to start the day. You share with each other, you take turns asking the words, how do you feel? Or what do you feel? And then you answer to the best of your ability, you answer what the emotion is that comes up for you, that you are in touch with in that moment. And then the next question is, and where do you feel that in your body? 
and you take turns asking that. So that is right there a moment of, um, you know, what I call radical intimacy. It touches on all three. It touches on emotional, physical, and energetic. And it also puts you in touch with what's happening for yourself. And you're practicing sharing that with your partner. So your partner is then brought into that feeling and vice versa. So it's a very simple daily practice that I call the intimacy practice, otherwise known as the 30-30. And then when things get really exciting, we do a (laughs) (laughs) 60-60. And then a 90-90? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome, Zoe. So what about for people who are listening to this conversation and are thinking perhaps they'd like to have more of a conversation around this, but aren't ready to fully dive in, right? Like you mentioned earlier that we do a sexual reintegration group at Helping Couples Heal where we have, you know, five, six, seven couples together who are in tandem doing this work. But not everybody is going to feel safe or comfortable getting into a group setting and doing this work. So what can they do? Well, funny you should ask. Uh, because we have uh, something newly available for couples who are wanting to start to talk about this or start to read about this and begin the conversation, um, or at least understanding what the conversation would look like if they were ready to have it. So we have a self-serve course that's available, and I imagine, Duane, you'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be on the Helping Couples Heal website. And... That is a 12-week course that is designed to go through on your own, at your own pace, in the privacy of your own home. It's self-serve. You work your way through it. It can take you 12 weeks. There are worksheets after each module. Or you can stretch it out and do it over the course of six months or, or whatever. And it's called Holy Healthy Sex After Betrayal. So holy meaning entirely, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy Healthy Sex After Betrayal. And there's a lot of the myth-busting, the education, the physiology, anatomy and physiology, relational dynamics, practical tools, ways to talk to each other. There's a mix of doing that kind of like inner work, self-work, and then reflecting and having conversations and sharing with a partner and how to do that. Very loving, respectful, gentle, and really sort of setting the foundation of learning about what sex can look like when it's healthy. And again, it's self-guided. Yeah. And I've had the pleasure of looking in this course and seeing this course, and it is a great way to get your feet wet in this area. If your relationship is starting to go in this direction, this uh, self-guided online course really offers you the opportunity to do that at your own pace, which I think is so helpful. It's one of the reasons I know, Zoe, you created this is because people out there, you know, weren't ready to jump into a group. It was just too overwhelming. And this is a really good beginning first step just to kind of, you know, like I said earlier, get your feet wet and start to go through that process and build that possibility. You know, I think also, Dwayne, for people who are really not ready. They know they're not ready, but 
would benefit from knowing that this is down the pike. Right. It helps people to feel, um, you know, where sometimes it can feel hopeless. I'm never going to get there. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't know what healthy sex is. I don't know what to hope for. How can I ever feel safe enough again to be sexual with my partner? Right. So this gives a picture of what it can look like. Wow, Zoe. I am so proud to have you on our team and to have you as a a facilitator and a consultant for helping couples heal because you just bring such a wealth of knowledge to us. I just really appreciate it. And I'm glad that we get to host this course on our website, helpingcouplesheal.com, because I think it is such a valuable resource for this community and brings us healing to so many people. And we recognize that many of our listeners here today might not be ready for this now, and that is 100% okay. And The goal is that as you do your own healing work and as your relationship heals and there's repair, that you will get to this place. We want to offer hope because the truth is that so many of the couples, Zoe, that I know work with you, I know where they were before. I know where they were when they first came in and they were not anywhere near in a place to do this work, right? So We really want to offer hope. And if you're thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to get to that place, please know that that is not necessarily true, right? That there are a lot of people that would have thought the same thing if they were listening to this one year ago, two years ago. And today they would have a very different story to share. Yes. I also just want to say that I am equally honored to be associated with you, Dwayne and Marnie, and your practice and your company and your platform. Um, I think that you are incredible clinicians, and it's really an honor to work with you on this piece of the journey for your clients. Thank you so much, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. And again, we'll put the link to the self-guided course in the show notes, and you can also find the link at helpingcouplesheal.com. Take care, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, where your healing is the number one priority. If you'd like additional resources about betrayal trauma or to learn more about the workshop, please visit helpingcouplesheal.com. If you're finding the podcast helpful, please support Marnie and Duane in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast with someone you care about. Once again, thank you for listening. We're grateful for your trust and look forward to continuing to support you on your journey of healing.